everybody, me, everybody. Hold on a second. Well, you're live right now. Hi, y'all. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome to On the Rec Yard. And they let us out late tonight because that's what the officers do. It's just they do whatever they want, right? So I'm sorry that we're a few minutes behind for you guys that set the reminder for the show tonight. And um, I see you guys popping on. We're so glad to have you guys. Um, we were having some technical difficulties. Don't act too surprised because <laughs> that's how we live our life around here. We want to um, be live for you guys so that we can have this, these discussions and get live feedback and answer questions live. That's so important to us. But with that comes uh, all the crazy nonsense. <laughs> um, so here we are on the rec yard. My name's Marcy Marie. I'm Toon <laughs> Tunchi, Mar uh, we are here. Tunchi and I are here on the rec yard. We have a special guest um, that she's going to come on in just a little bit, um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to talk with her. So you can tell tell us about Deb Tunch. Yeah, well, I mean, I would. I, I Deb is actually she reached out to Lioness um, and uh, the ladies on the inside. Uh, when she was discussing uh, the medical transportation bill, um, the ladies on the inside at Mountain View said, have you talked to the ladies at Lioness? Um, and she created uh, a wonderful, um, really nice professional video uh, that we'll share here too, um, with the ladies' stories about just horrific medical transportation is for women in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Um, she championed, championed the, the bills, the Senate bill and the House bill. Uh, she was a, a strong supporter in, in making sure that that happened. So we are super honored uh, for Deb to, to be on the show tonight to, you know, talk about um, her work at the, the prisons and what inspired her to do this. She is certainly uh, an ally uh, in making sure that women are treated with dignity in those spaces. So Marcy's right. We started off with some technical problems. Our show is not complete unless there is something that goes wrong. Uh, but we, that, <laughs> we'll figure it out. That's exactly right. It so, wouldn't be. It wouldn't be us. Just like going to wreck or anything else in the prison system, uh, anything is bound to happen at any moment. But we are so glad that you guys are with us. And I want to backtrack for half a second because Tunchi, they might not know what lioness is and, oh. and people need to know. <laughs> well, um, as our outreach coordinator and our social media um, ex expert, tell everybody what lioness is. Oh, that's my job. Oh, okay. That is. That is. <laughs> okay. I'm the project so, director, ma'am. That's this is what I do right here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Lioness is um, it's Lioness Justice Impacted Women's Alliance, and it is an organization made up of previously incarcerated and currently incarcerated women in Texas, and we. Um, uh, us ladies on the outside keep close contact with the ladies on the inside. We hear their needs. We hear the problems that are going on. And we get out here and put the footwork in to hopefully make changes for the positive for the ladies still doing time. 
How's that? How's you that? You got it. You and, nailed it. <laughs> okay, great. Well, um, so with that, one of the big things that's going on inside of TDCJ has to do with medical transport. Women are literally denying their medical care because of how horrific it is to get on that transport bus and go from, let's say, Gatesville to Texas City, which is like a six or seven hour or eight hour, depending on how many stops they have, nine hour even trip. So, um, <laughs> don't you, do you, should, should you, have you been on medical transport? Before? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I, I went two times and the third time I said, nope. Uh, and I, the neurologist was like, I'm, I'm really concerned. You've got some very odd uh, neurological tests that are results and we need to rule out MS. So we need to give you an MRI. And that I said, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care. And, and this is what we've told, you know, legislators and, and folks that have asked us, well, you know, what, What's what's so bad about it? Well, <laughs> if a woman is willing to literally die, because I've known women that essentially because of their lack of, of treatment and health care um, died, uh, you know, barely. And one lady was taken out on a medical uh, compassionate release, which that's a whole nother episode and a whole nother bill, how that usually never happens. Um, and, and she had denied medical chain several times knowing that she potentially had cancer, uh, because that trip is so horrendous. And, and when you tell people that they're like, I, I just, I, I would do anything for my health. Well, when all you have is your dignity, I bet you, you make some real, some real big compromises, um, to, to hold on to it. So, and and you're right. It, you're right. You're right. To avoid feeling that level of humiliation that you have to feel to go on medical transport, um, you you do weigh those. Um, it's it's amazing what you can refuse. So um, we'll just I'll just tell my story, which was um, I had some lumps in my breasts and uh, I go to medical on my unit and they say we were sending you for a mammogram. Now that was just the unit next to us that you go to for the, for a mammogram in the same town. So that wasn't such a huge deal, still a pain, <laughs> still pack up all my stuff, still mm -hmm. the officers lose half of my stuff, all of that, but, but not quite the humilities that you face going on a long transport. So I go for the mammogram and they say, um, the results come back and they say, we need to send you to Texas city for a biopsy. And um, I thought I I'll just wait it out. <laughs> right. You know, they, they called me for medical chain and I told the officer I'm, I'm, I'm not going, you know, I refused it. And my family was so upset with me um, over that, that 
Well, first of all, I thought I would be going home soon, which that was like in 2014. So I was very wrong about that. Mm -hmm. Right. But um, I I just thought, okay, so I had to drop an I-60, which is for for y'all that haven't done time with us and and are hanging out on the rec yard. And I-60 is just a form, a request form that you send to whichever department within the prison system. So I drop a request form to medical saying I need to see somebody. I tell the um, PA, um, hey, I, I want to go back. Can you please put me on again? And he was mad. He mm-hmm. was mad I had refused. He treated me very ugly about refusing. Why should I refer you again if you're just going to... and um you're probably wanted to stay in the dorm with your girlfriend. And these are the kind of things that we have to hear. Uh, No, that that's not it. I didn't want to be packed up. I didn't want to leave a place where I was comfortable and I didn't want to face the humiliations that you have to face um, to go on transport. So, so that's, we'll, we can kind of go into some of the things because I I know we're going to hear some or talk about some stories and, um, and this is right on. Um, Shaquille says, how come they don't have medical services in-house instead of transporting from one place to another? Well, uh, we do have a medical department, right, that does some very basic uh, services. But when it when it comes to, to more testing, uh, surgeries, uh, you know, the big things, you have to go to the hospital in Galveston outside of Texas City. And that is the prison hospital. And they are contracted with TDCJ. Um, interesting story behind that is that uh, actually TDCJ owes hundreds of thousands of dollars to UTMB. UTMB threatened to cancel their contract, uh, but they were like, however, can we still contract to use your inmates? Um, because it's a training hospital. That's what the hosp- the prison hospital in Galveston, John Seeley, is a training hospital. So there is some some benefits for a lot of parties, making sure that we use that facility, even if it means traveling across the state of Texas. Well, and West Texas uses Texas Tech. So there, so there are a couple of few uh, men's units that actually use a hospital with the Texas Tech system out in West Texas. But for the, the majority, the women for sure uh, use UT, UTMB in Galveston. So, um, Denise is making a really good point. She she watched her loved ones fight cancer, um, suffer horribly, and lose their lose their life. And she's saying, I mean, she's understandably, understandably. I see where you're coming from with the com with the comment, but and, and it seems a little aggressive. But because you're like, why would you refuse? Why would I bet? What would they think? What would people that um, have suffered from medical conditions, lost their life to medical conditions, what would they think when we say, well, there's it's not just some, it's lots, it's hundreds and hundreds of women that refuse their medical care. And, And so there's a couple reasons behind that. And outside of the conditions of the medical of the transport, um, there is an underlying fear of the medical staff amongst incarcerated (laughs) individuals because there are so many horrific stories. Um, I've talked to y'all on my other social media platforms a little bit about some of my experiences with medical. My very first pap smear 
I went in um, to prison. I had uh, at that time, I had a two and a three year old and um, the man was giving me my medical exam. Um, and I had three older children also. I had given five vaginal births and he had his hand inside of me, literally, and said, well, I can tell you've never had any children. And I, and I said, no, sir, sir, I've had five children. He said, oh, but that must have been then years ago. God. And it, it was on top of just being an extremely uncomfortable conversation with your medical professional who, with my legs sprawled out on the table, um, it, it was just, it made me very much question his, his ability to give me care in that realm. So, um, and that's just like the lighter, the lighter of right. the light, right? So right. there's, there's so many horrific stories that there is an underlying fear. People are scared. They don't want to have any kind of surgeries done. They want to try to wait until they get out of prison. Um, I mean, that's, that's the reality because there's so many horror stories circulating around. Mm -hmm. Um, so that that's part of it, but let's get into the nitty gritty about the transport. So this is it guys. We, I don't, if you've done time and I know a lot of y'all joining us tonight have been in the system. If you've been on a unit like Lane Murray, where the rec yards are not all together <laughs> and you have had to stand outside and try to talk to your friend two or three dorms down and signing and yelling when the officer's not paying attention. Well, that's kind of what we're looking at tonight because our special guest um, is having some volume hearing. We can't oh, hear yeah. her. Let's just hit it with that. So. <laughs> So you're gonna, we're gonna have to get creative here, and I think Tunchi, you've called her on your contraband cell phone. <laughs> I do. I've got a contraband cell phone right now. Um, that they they. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So what I, what I'll do is is Marcy will pop her pop Deb into the show, and uh, you know I will ask Deb the the questions, and and then I'll go on mute so she can answer and we can hear it and it not have an echo. So just be patient with us because y'all want to hear what Deb has to say. Uh, and I, I'm really excited for her to be here because I'm just really incredibly grateful um, for her tenaciousness uh, in, in being able to get these bills um, filed. And I don't know if Deb knows yet. I'm sure she does, but the hearing for the house bill is happening Monday at three in correction. So this is super timely. All right. Um, do, you, do you have her on the phone now? I have her on the phone. Like I'm fixing to unmute Okay. Her. Okay. okay. I, and I want to um, I, I want to answer this question because um, Webecca, <laughs> which is a great username, says, why does chain equal transport? Mm -hmm. So um, pulling chain on chain, that's very much a prison terminology. If you leave county to go to prison, you're on chain. If you go from one unit to another, it means you're pulling chain or you're on chain. And I think that that dates back to like when they used to chain all of the inmates together. One long chain. And you, yeah. right, one long chain um, to move them anywhere. You were on chain and that terminology just kind of carried on. So we're not chained together on one long chain anymore. We're 
generally chained together with one other incarcerated person. Um, and so that's how that works. But good question. Uh, I get that a lot because I use that term in my videos and they always come back. Okay, so let's get Deb on here. Let's get Deb on here. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Deb. Deb can you... I can hear you. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> so we've got, so a, we've little got a little bit of echo. echo. Okay. <laughs> I can't Boy, hear anything. I'm sorry it's been so bad. Ooh. It's okay. Can you hear an echo now? No, I don't think so. Okay. okay. Yes. Well, a little. <laughs> okay. So this is what I think. This okay. is what I think. I feel like we should get her on here and you can type the questions in the private chat. Like okay. you can say, you know, and let's just work it that way. And that okay. way she can respond. Um, can you text her that? Do you have, or either, yeah, can, can you text yeah, her yeah, that? Yeah, I'm going to so tell her knows? right now. She's on the phone. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> so this is how we do, guys. Thanks for hanging in there on the rec yard. Uh, there's Tucci trying to explain. And you guys, it's so funny because we're kind of teasing about a contraband cell phone. But do y'all know that I did not ever see a cell phone my entire 10 years plus on a maximum security unit um, and obviously a women's unit in Texas. I never saw a contraband cell phone. And those guys, they have them, y'all. They are on top of it. And I'm here for it. I, I love that they have a way to send um, realistic pictures. Um, they're recording officers doing things out of line and crazy. And it's just added a level of accountability. Um, so I'm excited for that. But <laughs> what what's up, Tucci? How's that? Okay, How so, do you think so, that sound? Yeah, so she's she's just gonna come on and we'll just communicate through the chat. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'm I'm excited while um we want to I'm like trying to think of how the best way to to word questions for her and I hope that you're handling that. <laughs> yeah, I got it. And I, it well okay. and I told her to just start with her story about how she found out about this issue and in some of her work there at the at the unit. Perfect. Okay. Go for so it. I'm going to tell her to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. This is awkward since I can't hear a thing that anybody else is saying or has said, but um, I've worked with incarcerated women and in learning from them and talking to them, I've just found that one of the biggest challenges for them is receiving the medical care that they need while they're incarcerated. And so I've spent a lot of time talking to many, many women who were incarcerated or are currently incarcerated about the current medical care, but more specifically medical chain. And so we've crafted a bill that we're hoping will be passed to address some of the challenges that they face. So um, Deb has not been incarcerated. Her heart is in this in this um, because of her connection with women that are incarcerated and her works with people that are incarcerated, which um, is amazing. It's Tunchi and I. We can get emotional and we can get okay. Um, I've heard passionate. so many different things. Great. Okay. Sorry. I've heard so many different things. And it's, it's interesting because what's happened 
um, years ago when maybe some of the some of y'all were incarcerated is not necessarily what's happening now but um, so this is basically what med- have y'all described what medical chain looks like and what it what the okay so can I kind of talk through <laughs> that okay great so basically um, you you've you know tried to see medical people at your unit Finally, they agree that perhaps you need to have more diagnostic care, perhaps see a doctor or have an x-ray or whatever. Almost, I mean, it's, it's shocking how many things require that they be transported. But in Texas, wherever you're located in the state, you are basically required to go on a bus to Galveston. And a lot of the women's prisons are in the central, north central Texas area, so Basically, women are generally gotten up at 4 or 5 a.m. They won't know when they actually have medical chain. I think that's a security decision that TDCJ makes. And then they're shackled to another woman, maybe by their feet and their arms. Um, They're loaded onto a bus in the dark, and they go from prison to prison getting all of the women gathered. They're on hard metal seats with no seat belts. And they take a bus uh, probably about four hours. Sometimes it's longer, but it generally takes them to Plain State, which is sort of their midway point. When they arrive at Plain State, they are all really strip searched as though they're new inmates. Um, the encroachment on women there at Like I've been told by multiple women that all 40 or so women are stripped at the same time and then have in-depth cavity searches, even though they've just all come from a prison. Then when they go in, they may or may not be fed depending on what time of day they arrive. If the kitchen's closed, they may not be fed. They will be assigned a bed, maybe, but I've heard from multiple women that they don't necessarily have mattresses or they have to carry their own mattresses from intake or they have a mattress but no bedding and then in the morning they leave super early so again they may or may not be fed i've heard from multiple women that they if they do get fed they might not have a cup or silverware um any kind of way to eat the food that they're given anyway the next day they leave plain state and go to galveston and they just wait all together in a waiting room um for however long it takes for everyone to be seen, which might be 10 to 15 hours. So no matter your condition, you may be septic from kidney stones. You may have a broken leg. You might have need physical therapy. You might have cancer treatment. So all of you are sitting together in a waiting room, awaiting your turn. And then once everyone has been seen and served, you again are loaded onto the bus. But on the bus, there is a toilet but it's in the front where everyone can see. It's actually probably made for men in that for a lot of short women, they can't actually fit onto the toilet without help. Um, For large women, they may not be able to fit onto the toilet. Um, And if you can envision for men, it might not be hard to stand and pee in front of everybody, especially even if you're shackled to someone, you can handle it. But for women, Um, if they need to change, if they've even been able to allowed to bring their feminine products, they have to do that in front of everybody sitting on this toilet with no privacy whatsoever. And, um, they've been banned from bringing 
feminine products and toilet paper. I've heard different things from different units. I think some allow it and some don't, but imagine just finishing surgery. I have, I talked to a woman who had ovarian cancer was, you know, had surgery loaded onto the bus with staples in her stomach, no pain meds because she wasn't going to get them until she got to her unit. She had to ride the hard bus shackled to somebody else for four hours to get to Plain State, spend the night where they have our strip search again, and may or may not have food or beds, and then return to their unit finally. It's about a 72-hour ordeal for women. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I appreciate, I mean, you nailed it. (laughs) I remember when we read the Senate bill and the House bill, and it outlined exactly. I said, whoever helped shape these bills knows exactly what's going on uh, during medical transport. And it is, it is all those horrific things. Uh, and it's also being um, uh, screamed at, yelled at, degraded. Uh, the strip searching, and I think the strip searching at Plain State. Marcy, did you go through Plain State? So I came in through Plain State and that strip searching procedure, the way that works is you go into an area that um, is lovingly called the dog pound. And it is because it is it has cages on the um, all along the walls of like a warehouse style building within with people that are there that have arrived throughout the day. And so you are on complete display during that strip search. And it's not strip searches suck, period. But that initial strip search, the way that the tri- the um, intake unit strip search, they want to make sure nothing from the free world is coming into the prison. And it is extremely invasive. Um, We have letters from women talking about, they said, show me both holes, um, spread your lips wide with, you know, and the, the, the image that you can put in your mind, I promise, isn't as bad as it felt going through that with a lady and a flashlight looking in your uh, Nani. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's no joke. And, and then I, yeah, that you go through that. So wrapping your mind around reliving the worst moment of your entire life. Your, I mean, just the that was the most, the least. I felt the least that I have ever yeah. felt in my life during that initial strip search. So wrapping your mind around having to go through that again is is maybe enough for some people to say no, but right. then. Um, I, I want to say about Deb talked about the toilet situation. And so this is something else to keep in mind. The bus, the transport bus, it gets full and the toilet is in one little space. And I wish that I had a picture to show I, I, the the toilet is facing the walkway. And when I say toilet, what I mean is a hole. <laughs> You know, it doesn't look like a toilet. It looks like maybe a porta potty hole. Um, and it's it, it's sitting where your legs would be in the aisle. But right to either side of you are seats. People mm-hmm. are sitting with right there. 
So you have someone chained to you while you're trying to do whatever you need to do on the toilet. And you have people that are, you're touching their back. That's mm-hmm. how close, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm maybe Tunchi, you're a little more petite than me. Um, but my body touches those, those people. That's how close you are trying to be on that toilet. And the fact that some of these units aren't letting them bring, um, aren't letting them bring uh, sanitary napkins or tampons. Um, that's just a whole, that's a whole nother. So now we're having women sitting in, in blood. They're sitting, I mean, yeah, that's. Uh. Well, and, and, you know, and people may argue, well, things may have gotten a little worse, you know, after the gentleman uh, escaped and did some pretty horrific things after he escaped a, a bluebird bus. That's what we call him, the old bluebird. Uh, but for us, it was always that bad. It was absolutely always that bad and only and now it got really bad for us uh, with not, you know, I, I was hearing um, from our ladies on the inside that they were leaving plain state in a gown with no bra, no yes. panties and flip. I mean, the shower shoes with nothing. Um, and, and like, like we, you know, I, I've explained this to, to female legislators. Can you imagine now TDCJ may not, in their male leadership may not understand. I don't understand what the big deal is. You know, you ladies, you got to go. Then you just go. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Sir, it does. If I'm handcuffed to another woman and I'm struggling to get on this contraption in front of everybody uh, to change my tampon, right? Or to change my, my pad, I'm doing this with one hand, first of all, with no way to wash my hands, uh, no way to be sanitary and the bus is flying and nobody's, you know, in uh, Hannah talks about how she has uh, scars on her wrists from the handcuffs and being thrown all over the bus. That is real. We're not just talking, oh, the girls are uncomfortable on a trip. It No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about really degrading. And you ask anybody, and I love that you highlighted that comment, intake being at Plain State, the stuff that goes on at Plain State is a separate issue even of itself of how they handle strip searches and intake. And now you're now everybody has to go through that when they are going on medical chain with the most vulnerable stuff that they're dealing with. And, and you know, if, if Deb's hearing from people that they're doing uh, cavity searches, they are sure, I'm trying to use profanity so much because Deb's here, but they are surely wrong because that's only supposed to be done by medical staff through a signed authorization from the warden. But the, the type of strip searching that we're talking about at Plain State, does I've been locked up 20 years. Marcy did 10. We have never, ever experienced strip searches like that to where somebody is telling you in degrading ways to lean back and open yourself as a woman with someone with a flashlight. And yelling asked, at you. Yelling. Right. Let me Show see me. the pink. Let, more, I'm, not more. Sure. I'm not seeing enough pink. Open it up. I mean, this is degrading and horrific. Not in a private room, but in a in the middle of a warehouse style room with staff members, with um, other incarcerated women that are there working, cleaning with incarcerated women in the cages surrounding you. I mean, it, it's, 
yeah, it, it's a whole it's a whole issue uh, upon itself. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, go for it, because I want to I want to talk about what Jessica's saying, too. But ask Deb. The reason it's so important to me is that I, I have lots of friends who are behind bars and I love and respect them. And I'm just deeply disturbed by what's happened to them or happening to them. I, it's just so horrific. Um, we did a little video about it to try to help people know about it. And I would love it if you would share that link at some point, but um, the film crew that was doing it, they could not believe how inhumane it was. And I really tried to soften the video so it wasn't quite so shocking because people have a really hard time believing that this actually happens. It's If you care about the dignity of women, then you have to be appalled at what's happening. Uh, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. And, and, and the video, uh, is it, you, you did soften it, but it's, it still comes through. It, it really does. And, um, we've streamed it to our platforms and I'm certainly going to make sure that the legislators, uh, see it because, um, it, it's just terrific. I, I remember when I brought it to the attention of the organization where I work, um, they were appalled because women with disabilities, elderly women, it, it's even a thousand times worse uh, for them in terms of, uh, you know, accessibility um, and making sure that they have, you know, uh, health care. Um, go ahead, Marcy. You were going to say something earlier. Well, I just Jessica Dickerson is on. Thank you for joining us, Jessica. And she's she's talking about also being bounced around on a bus after surgery with no meds and you might have had non-aspirin or, or Tylenol substitute. Um, and I was just going to share that. That absolutely is something coming back from that chain. Um, there are women that have had surgery that day, that morning, sometimes, sometimes just the day before. And there they are on this transport bus handcuffed to someone, if you've had any kind of surgery, um, like they were talking about um, ovarian surgery or anything that causes a lot of a vaginal bleeding for a young lady or a lady period, um, that's another huge issue. So because now you're making a mess everywhere, you're handcuffed to someone trying to change, change, if you have products to change, I mean, just, just the whole thing. But yes, I um, remember very clearly seeing people come back from surgery, even broken shoulders or arms, um, things like that. Even that caused so much pain riding on that bus and handcuffed. You are still chained and handcuffed to someone pretty much regardless of your medical condition. Uh, right. Um let me let me ask Deb this. Uh, well, what are the solutions? So we presented the the problem to legislators uh, in in TDCJ. What are the solutions, and what can TDCJ do different? Well, we I just I've listened to many many women, 
both currently incarcerated and now out, and just ask them that question. What can be done that's practical and not a huge change or undertaking, but what's something that really can change right now? Mm -hmm. And so there's a bill currently in the House and Senate. We're really thankful for Representative Click and Senator West who are sponsoring this these bills. And here's basically what it the women have told me, and then we crafted into a bill. Uh, first of all, we're asking that um, one inmate is not shackled to another inmate. As you know, that creates so much chaos and difficulty. Also, we're requesting that TDCJ not engage in any uh, invasive body cavity searches unless there's reasonable doubt, reason for it. And if they do participate in invasive body cavity searches, then they're required to write a report to demonstrate Mm -hmm. why they made Mm -hmm. that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, We want women to be allowed to bring feminine products and toilet paper. Um, We want food and bedding to be supplied at the midway point both ways. And we want toilets to be able to to ergonomically fit for women, small women, larger women, and to provide some level of privacy for them. And I know that a huge concern for TDCJ is security, which I respect. Um, But if they brought more mobile units, Mm -hmm. like to do physical therapy at a unit, to provide mammograms or x-rays at a unit, We've come leaps and bounds in that realm medically. It's not as difficult now as it once was. And I feel like if they did that, if they provided mobile diagnostic units at all the different, you know, that could just move from place to place, then um, women wouldn't have to leave their facility and the state of Texas would be more secure because there aren't inmates just on the road over and over again. So I think that it's a win-win for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, the community at large, but most importantly for, in my perspective, right. the women who are currently yeah. incarcerated. Yeah. No, and, and and those are reasonable solutions, right? Like it's we're we're not asking for anything just extraordinary uh, that would defy security. Um, it's it's some basic things. Now, the issue is TDCJ will say, well, we already do that. Oh, well, we'll take care of it. We don't need to legislate this. Um, but the the problem is they have shown over and over that sometimes a lot of the times they, they can't quite be trusted to follow through with that. So this is why legislation uh, is so important to make sure that those, those almost simple solutions um, actually happen because they will be uh, codified uh, in law. Marcy, do you have anything? Well, I wanted to um, definitely, so Jessica Dickerson, and she's with Texas Prison Community Advocates, and they have been working with TDCJ, corresponding with them about mobile medical care, actually. Um, and so she's just saying there is great potential. That's a that's a possible solution for, for later, for later, right? And for lesser non-surgical needs, um, mammograms, biopsies, these kind of things could be done mobily. It would be more affordable, uh, you know, and uh, obviously cause so much less um, trauma to the incarcerated ladies, for sure. What we didn't talk about, yeah, go for it. 
I, I wanted, wanted to, to ask about, I wanted to talk about packing up how, oh, how yeah. that is. Cause you, you know, uh, and we can get back to that, Jen, if you want to go for it first, Tunchi, whatever you have to say. Well, I, I wanted to ask Deb, uh, you know, well, why can't we just trust TDCJ to do this? Um, why legislation? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just really curious to, to what, what she, what she thinks is, is the answer to that. <laughs> well, I, I think I told you that, um, we set up a, a meeting with a representative from TDCJ and she listened so beautifully. And I felt like she, I, I genuinely believe that she cares so much about the women that they are, um, that are in custody for, with TDCJ, but, and she assured me that they would take care of it. Um, but we haven't seen any change. I've right. got my spies that are yeah, in TDCJ. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and no, nothing has changed. And we've also basically been told security is their priority. This is not going to be different. Um, and uh, we feel like accountability is why we have legislators there. They are appropriately addressing issues that we need them to address. And so... Um, we want uh, there to be an ongoing, even if they did everything I asked this woman, got it taken care of, what would happen if she left in two years or five years? Exactly. We want this to be in place so that every woman that's incarcerated in Texas gets to have the privilege of experiencing improvements mm -hmm. in medical chain. And that not for today, not just for today, but for years and years to come. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's, I'm going to completely agree with that. And, and this is something that we run up against when we do legislative work is w when you're dealing with state agencies, um, you know, give them an opportunity to fix it. Well, you do. And they don't. Um, and, the, you know, and they say, we don't need to legislate this. But with your leadership changes, and it's something that we've seen in the youth system, y'all have got great leaders, but they don't stay. So nothing gets done. Um, and nothing's consistent. Uh, so I thought that was great. Um, okay, Marcy, uh, I will turn it back over to, to you. Well, um, you guys are doing so, so beautiful. <laughs> you're you're uh, doing so great. And you guys, this is like a, a small miracle that this is working out because Deb can't hear us. <laughs> her volume isn't working on her end. So um, you guys just know that the behind the scenes between Tunchi and Deb is incredible. So thank y'all for that. Um, Webekia sa Webecca says it's a crime in most states to be in motor vehicles without wearing seatbelts. How can they justify not providing seat belts? How is that? What is that? What's up with that, Tunch? I don't, I don't know. I've never been able to figure that out. Um, I, I have no idea, you know, but school buses, I'm not sure school buses have seat belts either. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure either. I don't I'm know. Sure they, I'm not sure. We'll look into it. Um, I'm certainly, I, I'm, I, I'm sure somebody will bring it up Monday. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure so, too. So um, and I want to get to that, too. So um, let's talk about when you go on medical chain as someone incarcerated in Texas at male or female, um, what happens with your property, with your personal property? Um, and that is the night before you leave. 
um, anytime between 10.30 p.m. and 2 a.m., the officer comes to your bunk, knocks, hey, you're on chain. We're, we're packing you up. And um, they, you have to pull all of your stuff out. So this is the deal. That's a, that's a pain, right? But not worth denying your medical care. When it becomes really a huge problem is I have seen people come back from the hospital post-surgery. They don't have any of their property. You're dressed in pants, polyester pants, polyester shirt. It's 120 degrees in your dorm, quite Mm -hmm. literally 120 degrees. You don't have your shorts or your t-shirt or clean panties. I mean, if you have panties at all, because I don't think we touched on that, guys. Sometimes these ladies are being made to leave their panties and bras at the unit. They're not allowed to take them on medical chain. So what security reason is is that? I have no idea. Show me one case where someone has taken off a pair of their panties and made a weapon, you know, but this is quite literally what's happening. And so then they're back in the dorm and the property officer's not there that day. It's not their card. They might not be back for several days. You, they might be overworked and underpaid and don't, can't get to you. And so now you're in this dorm with no undergarments and with no way to cool yourself off or wear any kind of cool clothes. And you're, it just creates a whole nother, you don't have any hygiene. You can't wash your body. You can't wash your hair. I mean, this is this is what we're looking at when you come back from medical chain. So when somebody says, hey, when the doctor says, hey, you need to have this procedure done, all of those things are running right. through your mind as being incarcerated. Right. It, it, it's, it's the whole package can seem completely, absolutely overwhelming. Whelming. The fact that we've heard so many horror stories about the medical departments, there's that underlying fear amongst incarcerated people of the medical department in the prison. The fact that you know you're going to run into officers that you don't know, because guess what, guys? Even when, we, when we're dealing with officers on our unit that are aggressive or on some kind of power trip, we know that about them. Right. So we are mentally prepared in a way to deal with that person. But when you're going on transport and you're running into these officers that you have no idea, it's like a fresh stab when someone treats you like shit for no reason. And that, and so you're facing that. I mean, it's just, it's just the whole, the strip search, plain state, sleeping on a metal. And guess what? If you're post-surgery, you might not get a mattress. You might right. be sleeping on a metal bunk. The night after you have surgery on the floor, on the floor. Let me ask. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask Deb. um, What What have the ladies said uh, about their properties to you? Is Is it stolen? Or um, is it difficult to access when they return to the unit? Property is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, first of all, most of the women nowadays are not allowed to take much of anything, right? right? So before they would bring property and then at Goree, where it used to be, or Plain State, it might disappear. And that's been really rough on them. But now they're not allowed to take them with them. Um, 
it, it seems to be different in different units on what they're actually allowed to bring, but generally they're allowed to bring their ID and maybe some shampoo and soap. Sometimes they allow them to bring a change of underwear. Sometimes they don't. They're only allowed to bring shower shoes, wear their shower shoes, not tennis shoes or whatever. And really no food or books or medication or any of that is allowed. So that means that less things are stolen when they're on the medical train than used to be. So I guess I can't really even consider that a positive, but uh, (laughs) things are not as uh, likely to be stolen. One challenge though, is that you might not be returned to the same bed that you were in when you return from medical chain. It's likely that you won't return to the same unit that you were the same, you'll go to the same prison, but not the same dorm necessarily, and not the same bed. So then where is your stuff and you have to get access to it. And that's a whole other nightmare that the women have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, you know, Marcy, if, like you said earlier, if if these things were just one-offs, you know, or this happens every once in a while, but we hear this consistently. I mean, Deb's hearing this from women that, you know, we've never had access to, right? Like, this is systemic, right? That means it's all over the women's unit. It is a consistent um, shared story among thousands, almost 9,000 women in the system. If you ask them about plane state or medical transport, they're going to tell you everything that Deb outlined. They're going to tell you all the stories that we just did. So this isn't you know, as TDCJ would like to say, you know, oh, some, you know, maybe this happened somewhere one time or eh, eh. no, <laughs> this is consistently for years um, that this stuff has happened. And I think it's one of those issues that I noticed too, and you probably did too, that because something was always a certain way, the women just accept that that's just always how it's going to be. And that's what it is. It, it's almost like a, it's happened so long and nobody's ever changed it, then it must be allowed. And it's just the way that it is. Um, oh, yeah. And, and Deb's saying, you know, they're not allowed to wear their coats in the winter because Plain State takes them. And uh, I remember when I was at Henley, which is next door to Plain State, and um, they only issued jackets Mountain View, we kept our jacket all year round. It was our little pillow, right? And, and the staff understood that. But Henley, they gave us um, our jackets at the end of November. We were freezing. And, and I can only imagine how horrible that is on one of those buses. Because we're not just talking about the heat. We're talking about the frigid. Right knows how cold it gets in Texas. Um, you know, it, it's just... it. I feel like TDCJ gaslights women, right? Like makes us question our own reality. And we're like, wait a minute, this has been happening to all of this. And they're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, and and I'm so grateful that we're going to have a, a chance to, to speak our mind on it. Marcy? Well, this is the deal. Okay, so no jackets. And now some units are transfer- transporting them in their gown. And then on top of that, sometimes with under no undergarments, I was, I caught chain in October from Plain State to Gatesville. 
And I rode that transport bus with no jacket because you weren't allowed that then. And you weren't allowed to wear any underclothes. So, I mean, you could have your bra and panties, but no like thermal shirt, commissary clothes, none of that. No jacket. And the windows, there was about five windows in that bus that were broken Mm -hmm. so that they would not raise. So we rode that trip with that air, cold air blowing in. And and that's just a whole different level of misery. um, The way we were like chained together, trying to lift the window, trying to jam stuff in it so that it would stay up. It it was crazy. And so there's a couple of comments here. Remy's talking about having to stay at Gory, which guys, Gory is a men's unit and it used to be the, the stopping point for medical transport or transport. And it is where I went through when I came and that was in 2011 coming through from Plain State to um, Lane Murray. Um, but they don't do that. And Jessica's asking about that. And I want to find her comment because she said, um, do they still, are they still running um, women medical chain through men's units? Go ahead, Tunch, because you have the details <laughs> on that. No. So uh, they stopped doing that about a year or two ago and we were already in the pandemic. And what, we heard from the ladies was that there was an incident. Um, if, if y'all had to stay at Gory, you already know how the, the men who were incarcerated there uh, treated us. It was scary. It was frightening. Uh, and the staff treated it like it was our fault and our problem just for existing as women. Um, so some, an incident happened, even though TDCJ um, would, would not... Um, admit to that, to some digging into it. Uh, They just said, well, we just thought it logistically was better. And it's like, uh, give me a break. Um, So no, we don't, we don't stop at gory anymore. Uh, It was horrific in, in so many different ways, but it was still horrific. Uh, It, it, it's just changed. um, It's just changed its, its face, uh, but it, it still is bad. Marcy, I know that we're getting down to, to just a few minutes left. And I want to ask Deb an important question. Will you be at the hearing Monday? It, it has a hearing uh, in corrections. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you for being there to testify. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm telling her to pause. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be yeah. there Monday too, because there, I'm going to testify about this bill. And then there's a couple other things going on. Um, so I, I want to, for the people that are watching, um, there's one more question I want to get to, because I appreciate y'all tuning in. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are the reason that we're here having these discussions, bringing the darkness to light, so to speak. And um, frankly, I love putting the Texas Department of Criminal Justice on blast because they have been hidden in, in what's going on in there for far too long. So um, I'm just so happy to have y'all. And I am going to get to these questions. But, but Jennifer... So right now we have this bill. It's being heard. It's for, it's the medical transport bill. It's to stop all of this crap (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. been going on. It's to make adjustments within TDCJ so that women don't have to face these degradations just when they have a medical issue in while they're incarcerated. What can someone do? So what's the call to action? How can people help? Yeah, the call to action is if you are in Austin or you're near Austin uh, and you are able to come in person, 
uh, to testify. The hearing will be at three o'clock. Uh, it'll be uh, on E2. That's one of the lower levels at the Capitol. You can always reach out to me um, or, or Marcy or anyone at Linus. Uh, we will all be gathering uh, to, to do some testimony and we can walk you through how to register, uh, how to get set up and maybe kind of help you a little bit with your, you know, your nerves and anxiety. If you're not able to be at the Capitol, you can do online comments. Uh, go to the Texas Legislature online look up upcoming committee meetings, corrections, and it's going to pull up the corrections notice. It's going to have all the bills being heard. And at the very bottom, there'll be a place where you can click that says, I want to do online comments. Uh, you can also go to our social media and we will have those links posted as well. So uh, I certainly hope that if you are a woman who's been system impacted uh, by this particular issue, especially, uh, we would love to see you there because they need to hear our stories. There's two women uh, on, I believe there's just two women on the corrections uh, committee. Uh, so these men, <laughs> they really need to understand. And I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I think we all know that as soon as you start talking about some of the stuff we're talking about, men are like, whoa, <laughs> I, mm, I, y'all need to fix that. Um, so, uh, and I think we're going to have good support on the corrections committee. I really do. Let me tell, uh, I wanted to tell Deb that we will be excited to meet and get our chance to raise our voices. Um, and I will ahead. be there, I will be there on Monday. So um, you guys can contact me. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, Messenger's a good way. If you need some help getting walked through the process, um, if I can't help you, I can lead you to somebody that can, probably too. <laughs> um, and... and Deb, is there anything else you want to share? <laughs> Thank you so much for, I'm sorry about the sound issues, but it was a privilege to get yes. to, to yes. voice. Thank you. Thank you for speaking out for all these women. You do an amazing job at that. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Um, okay. Marcy, uh, anything else? There's a few questions and I, I want to get to it because they're, okay. because because they're here and um, we appreciate them so much. So one of the questions um, is, Shaquille is asking, how often do they do medical transport? Is it once a month? Is there a schedule for that? Do we know? Do we know it or is it random? What's going on with that? Do you have any idea, Tunchi? Because I sure don't know. It felt random while I was how there. How often do they do medical? They do. It's nonstop. It's nonstop. So it's, it's a bus pulls in, they load them up. I mean, it is just nonstop, except obviously uh, on the weekends, but Monday through Friday, it is, it's just ongoing. Um, it, it's nonstop. Someone's asking me about how pregnant women are treated. I want to touch on that very quickly. I'm going to try to find the comment, but um, so that is something you, you do come, you have your baby in Galveston and a couple weeks, two weeks, after your baby's born, you are then on transport on that same chain that we talked about, still still bleeding from the birth mm -hmm. of your child, may or may not have um, feminine hygiene there with you. And um, they're treated like shit, like everybody else, quite frankly. Um, and also additionally, those women are put back to work on the unit. Um, uh, Tunchi and I both have had direct knowledge and 
seeing and crying with these ladies in my case, coming back to work, um, still bleeding from the birth of their child, still their bodies trying to heal from that, outside working in the fields, hauling bags of potatoes and just tears streaming down their face because their bodies just almost can't handle it. I'm sorry I don't see your comment right away because I, I want to... Um, I wanted to highlight you, but that's a good question. And yeah, they're just right there, right there in it. Um, yeah. And then this last, let's finish with this last. Um, Diana says she heard it mentioned that safety was always top priority. And um, safety is a backup reason that TDCJ gives for anything that is happening in the prison that's not going according to policy. They have that umbrella that security, they can say, well, secure because of security, because we can't do that. Even though policy says for us to do that, we can't do it because it's a safety risk or a security. But but here it is. And Diana says the bottom line is it's always about um, money. And I think that's often the case. Right. Because so, it, we're, um, we're using John Seeley and we're not doing other things locally because we've got a contract with John Seeley and they're using this as a prison training hospital. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that. And, and then again, like Marcy said, it, everything falls under security. They just hide behind that all the time. Um, and we're, we're sick of it. And I'm so grateful for these ladies on this call and the women that we work with that they know that the, the days of them doing stuff to women have come to an end uh, because there's a growing number of us that are just like, no, we're, we've had, we've had enough. Um, so. Enough is enough. That's enough right. Is enough is enough. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us on um, the rec yard. I'm putting this list. It's time to go. And I want to respect y'all's time, but Diana is hitting it right on. She said, what are the statistics on females causing safety issues while on medical transport. And that's, yeah, the big goose egg, a big right. giant goose egg. And that that's another thing that women are suffering all of these um, disparities because of things that men that men. have been, been <laughs> right. and it's just not even an issue on females units. We sh we're having to have a flashlight shown up our um, vagina. No, no woman that I have ever met in my entire incarceration has stuck a weapon up her vagina. Right. It just is not happening. But <laughs> um, so yes, that's it. So here we are on the rec yard. I'm. Uh, it's time to go in. They're calling rec. Right. Yeah, rec rec. Rec. We gotta go. We will be <laughs> back out here the same time, the same place next week. We have a couple guys um, gonna hop on with us and we're going to talk about some differences between, um, men's units and women's units. Um, and I'm kind of excited for that. Uh, you guys join us live, same time, same place. Thank you, Deb, so much. Bye. We appreciate Thank you. you. <laughs> Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>